to the KC City Church Audio Podcast. We pray you enjoy this following sermon. Because you see, when you walk in that door over there, someone spots you, sees you, and is encouraged by your presence. And then another one walks in, and another one walks in, and another one walks in. How many of you have been encouraged by seeing somebody on a Sunday morning? How many of you have experienced that? Hallelujah. It's an amazing phenomenon in the body of Christ. There's something about you that's exciting to me and to other believers. There's something on the inside of you that's exciting. There's a potential on the inside of you. There's eternity on the inside of you. There's a little slice of heaven on the inside of you. There's a little slice of me, a little piece of me on the inside of you. Amen? Amen. I'm incomplete without you. Amen? Amen. Well, we're going to do offering and tithes at the end of the service today. Um, But before we uh, jump into it, for those of you that don't know, uh, October is Pastor's Appreciation Month. It's like a whole month set aside to just sort of think about everything that your pastors do for you, that they sacrifice uh, for you. Now, Larry and Krista don't know I'm even going to talk about this. But I'd like to throw it out there. I'd like to offer you an opportunity this month to just think about what it is that you would do to express your appreciation to them. Pastors sacrifice a lot. You know, one of the highest suicide rates of any profession is actually pastors. I hate to say that. There's an extreme difficulty that pastors can go through. There's a crushing that can happen and they can feel extremely isolated in the middle of fellowship. Now we're, we're very blessed here at Casey City Church. We have a very authentic community and there's opportunity for us to share one another's burdens and to, to care for one another and to be open with one another. And that's a great benefit and that's a, a great buffer uh, against any risk to our pastors. But there's nothing like honor to just set the plans of the enemy on their heels. Satan would like nothing more than to take the two of them out. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. But honor and praise and appreciation is a powerful, powerful thing. I love you guys. Thank you. (laughs) From the bottom of this big Yankee rebel heart, thank you. For those that call me Yank, I'm a reb, you know. I'm a reb without the racism, all right? I'm from south of the Mason-Dixon line. I'm not a blue belly, uh, amen. And if uh, there were some other rebs in here, they'd go, yeah, all right? There must be one back there somewhere. I've been training a few because I feel so isolated, you know. It's it's you know, the whole expat thing uh, can be difficult. Um, But what a glorious uh, day. I would just encourage you over October, just think about how would you express to our pastors how much you love and appreciate them. I'll just throw that out there. It just, uh, there's a a million ways that you could express that to them. Amen. (laughs) But let them hear it. Amen. Let them hear it. Can you just give them a round of applause, please? Hallelujah. Well, Mark 16, 15, you know, we've been uh, in a series in uh, term three called The Power of the Gospel. And as we come out of term three, we're moving into term four. Our, our series is going to be Transform Community. 
Now, you would think by the title of that that it's all about being out there. And it is, but it's also about everything that happens in here. The power of the gospel transforms you and then turns you in a direction that faces toward the community, that faces toward others. You are, you are a light, amen? You're a light, and so God faces you toward darkness, and then he sends you in that direction. Sometimes it's counterintuitive, some of the places that God would have us go and have us actually go and labor and invest ourselves and really sacrifice in those places. But God needs us to go there. You know, we're part of his plan of redemption for mankind. I'm so thankful that God needs me, amen? God needs me. He needs me. I'm preferred. I'm preferred. Amen? I am preferred. When, when Jesus is listening to the prayers of a community, he already knows about them anyway, but as you just imagine just, just Jesus just listening to the prayers of a community. You imagine the Holy Spirit infused throughout the community in places you and I could never even dream to go, and he's listening and then the Holy Spirit speaks to you to go and do something that doesn't make sense. This is how God works. There's a mystery in the gospel. When we talk about the power of the gospel, it's the power of the gospel to transform and to unleash and to destroy the plans of the enemy. Amen? There is a power in the gospel to transform community. Now, we have a, a mission statement at Casey City Church. It's almost like a refined version of Mark 16, 15, which is go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. Amen. That's our, that's our commission. That's what we're still here doing. When you go, why? I got saved. You know, uh, why am I still here? What's going on? Uh, Mark 16, 15. Go and think about it. Amen. It's time for us to go. We've been in a season to mobilize. Our prophetic theme for the year has been recalibrate for overflow. Overflow to do what? Overflow to bless this city, to destroy the kingdom of darkness in this city, to go and take light into dark places, to infuse ourselves. What happens if you take a, a, a hot cup of tea and you drop a tea bag into it? Well, it doesn't take too long. Everything that was in that tea bag is suddenly in the cup. It's infused, and you can't separate the water from the tea anymore. We are like tea bags. Hey, welcome to Christianity. You're a tea bag. Amen? You're a Holy Ghost, Christ-filled, Jesus-empowered tea bag. And boy, do you taste good. Amen? And we come in different flavors, but it's all the same principle. It's to infuse ourselves into the community. Our mission statement at Casey City Church is transforming community through knowing Christ and loving people. Everybody say that with me. Transforming community, transforming through, knowing Christ through knowing Christ and loving people. Now that statement starts with transforming community because that's our goal, but really the process starts with knowing Christ. Amen? Transforming community by knowing Christ. And when you know Christ, you get filled up with what? You get filled up with self? No, you get filled up with this love, this supernatural love. I remember the night I gave my heart to Jesus. I just remember being overwhelmed with love. I went from 
hopeless, suicidal, to just feeling this joy and love. I can't talk about that night without doing this. <laughs> Would somebody please call Kleenex? I think they owe me some money. Please. I need a shirt. This, this, this sermon's sponsored by Kleenex. Sometimes I wish I could, but you know, I'd, I wouldn't want to lose that place inside of me where I remember where that love still resides. Amen. Still resides. You know, that love... When, it, when I go into dark places, I'm taking my little light, I'm going in there, you know that light candle Pastor Larry was talking about that they can't blow out? Oh, there've been some times where it looked like it was out and then suddenly it sparkles and it's like, back again? You go into those dark places. I, t- I gotta tell you, it's that love, that first love, there's a reason we're meant to remember it, that sustains you, that informs your decision-making, that empowers your ability to choose by an act of your will to go and to sacrifice and to give and to lay down your life in little moments for the benefit of others. Can you put up our slide? Have you got that there? We're entering a new season. This is what we feel like the Lord has revealed to us about our mission statement. There are three distinct things here. Transform community. Yeah, our mission is transforming community, but transform community is a command. It's a specific command. Mark 16, 15 is a specific command. Know Christ. It's a specific command. Love people. All of these are empowered by choices. You can read that, walk out, do nothing with it. It benefits you not. Or you can use your will to choose to go, God, I don't know what I'm meant to be doing in the community, but I want to know Christ. Amen. Would you please fill me with your love for other people? If you find you're absent of any compassion for people who are doing without or doing it tough, ask God to fix that. He can fix that. Amen? Amen. You can love people with a supernatural love, an agape love. You're going to see this. We're going to be using this all the way through the year. See the way in the background it just says, no Christ, love people, transform community. No Christ, love people, transform community. It just keeps going and going and going. This doesn't end. You don't arrive at a place. I've arrived at transform community. Woohoo! I'm done with no Christ. I'm done with love people. Now I just get to go and transform community. This is fantastic. Kudos to me. It's not like that. It's not like that. It's a, it's a, it's a process, and you're just kind of constantly be going. You know what happens when you go out and you take a risk to transform community? You know Christ better. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Because you're going to face challenges, and you're going to face people that are unloving. You know it's easy to love somebody who's really nice? <laughs> you guys are easy to love. You really are. You're actually easy to love. But I've run into some people not so easy to love. And I've walked away going, "Mm." you know, I wanted to go and get old dead Kev out of the box, you know, kind of drag out that coffin and plunk him down, open it up and go, sick him. (laughs) Have that old dead guy come out and go over there and hurt somebody. Am I alone in that? I hope not. (laughs) Hallelujah. 
We're going to talk about a topic today that can be difficult to talk about, but it's an important part of the body of Christ, and we're just going to look at Scripture. I'm going to give you Scripture. I'm going to let you chew on it and reflect on it. Write some of these things down. Some of you guys don't take notes on Sundays, and I, I wonder what you're doing. Sorry, I just want to challenge you a little bit. There's some great stuff coming out up here, and if you let it fly past you. You know, Jesus told a lot of parables. A parable, parabolic. I could throw to Jeremy right now, I could throw a baseball. It would go along a parabolic curve. And if I was really good, which I'm not, I could just place it just to the left of his ear. I could place it just right there, and he could hear it go as it goes past. Or he can catch it. You need to listen like this. When something comes in here and it's truth, you need to grab it. Amen? Amen. Jesus taught in parables. Some people got it. Some people didn't. It's an act of your will. Are you present? Are you going to be there? Are you going to catch it? Be ready to take notes, okay? You should go and reflect on these scriptures. Look them up. Get them. Press them. Grab your Bible app when you get home and go from the New King James over to the Amplified. I wonder what that means. I'm going to go a little bit deeper. God, reveal this to me. Kind of chew on it. Do you do that with the word? Oh, this should be a practice. It should be a habit. It should be our culture. Amen? Oh, you want to grow? You want to know Christ? You want to find that way to love people? It's more than just having a warm and fuzzy feeling. Love is practical. Love does. Love is innovative. Hallelujah. None of that was in my notes. (laughs) I love God. Thank you, God. Father, I just ask you just to come. You just come. This is your message, your time. I just thank you. I just thank you. Just bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to look at the principles of tithing and offering today as an act of worship and what is their place within the body of Christ. Why are they important? Um, You know, what's the difference between Old Testament and New Testament? There's a lot that I'd like to cover, but I'm just going to read it to you and we can talk about it more. We do teach about it when we do offering at Casey City Church. So if you pay attention during offering time, there's some great stuff uh, that comes that you can capture, take down little notes. Pray for revelation about your tithes and your offering, about your giving. Amen? Just pray for revelation. God really wants to empower that part of your life. It's not a taboo subject. It should never have been a taboo subject in the body of Christ, ever. So this is a difficult topic to do today. I have no idea what your theology is. I'm just going to give you Bible, and then you can go away and sit down with the Holy Spirit, and he can guide you and lead, to all, lead you into all knowledge, if you'll let him. Amen? God's principles are God's business. Amen? All we need to do is know that they work. <laughs> they work. Throw your faith in there. It works. It just works does. You know, the question of, you know, is the principle of giving 
and generosity. Is that important to Jesus or has grace come now since the cross, you know, in light of Resurrection Sunday? Do we now no longer need uh, to do this? Are these principles from the Old Testament no longer applicable or useful uh, to us? And I, I just want to start in Matthew uh, 25 in verse 40. Just verse 40, if we can pop that up there. It says, the king will reply. So this is Jesus Christ as king. This is, this is at a time of judgment uh, of the nations. The king will reply, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. When we act charitably, when we sow into someone else's need, when we give to the least little thing, Jesus takes it personally. Do you see that? This is personal to Jesus. He's not saying, oh, you did it to this one and that one. Ah, don't worry about it. He's going to no, know you did it to me. So that's the standard. You did it to me. It matters to God. And we'll unpack that. Let me give you some facts. You know, should we be talking about finances? Should we be talking about economics? Should we be talking about money from the pulpit? The answer is yes. One in six verses in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. One in six verses addresses the idea of giving, generosity, the topic of stewardship. We're going to talk about stewardship. One in six verses addresses it. You can't say the Bible doesn't talk about it. It's not important to Jesus and it wasn't important to his disciples because all you gotta do is read Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Test me in that. Go and do a head count. Read some gospels and just keep your radar out for what's the topic that's being talked about, what's the teaching that's coming across. The apostle Paul in his letters, I love what Paul does. It, we lose it in the English, but to a first century person reading Greek, or hearing Greek, Paul blends the language of first century finance, banking, economics, accounting. He blends these terms that have never existed within Judeo-Christian community and he blends it with faith. And he does it seamlessly, he does it without apology, if Jesus cared about it, if it matters to him and it's personal, if Paul found that he needed to speak to, to people reading his letters in that first century accounting and banking language, he blended the language of the temple and what happened in the temple and how the temple worked. He blended it with financial language, language of banking and accounting. Oh, there's no doubt that it's important to God. There's no doubt that God wants us to think this way. It's important, but, but we don't want to think that finances are up here. Finances are not up here. You know what's up here is, is right here. Where is here? When I give, it's not what's on the slip, or it's not what's in the bank transaction that I do online, or it's not about the currency, the count of it that's in my hand. It's about what's in my heart. I'm going to tell you something that you probably won't hear in a lot of churches. If your heart's not right and you're giving, don't give. Come and speak to us, please. You have the right. 
You have the right as a born-again, spirit-filled believer in Jesus Christ to understand why it is you do what you do and to have the great joy of doing it. The Bible says that, that God loves a cheerful giver. You know that word for cheerful? It's actually, you take that Greek word and you translate it into English. It's where we get the word hilarious. Hilarious. I gotta tell you, I've had the Holy Spirit drop in my heart an amount of money to give somebody, and it made me laugh. It was like, oh, I'm actually gonna do this. That's crazy. And I laugh, and I go to talk to Jen. I'll be like, Jen, I gotta get a witness here, baby. I just feel like we're meant to give something to somebody, and would you just kindly go and get a witness? You know, I wanna lay out a fleece, a little bit of a fleece there. You know, it's like, you know, everything else is wet around it, but I want the fleece dry. You know, I want, the, I want my wife to confirm it, because she's gonna do the bank transaction anyway. Or, you know, so, and she would come back with, a, you know, the right amount, and then I tell you what, then the hilarity begins. Oh, then the laughter overflows, but it comes from this place of great joy and richness that you know only comes from God because it completely contradicts anything in the natural. Amen? The Bible says it's better to give than it is to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. That word blessed there is to be deeply satisfied. Oh, to experience a, satisfy, a satisfaction so deep within the well of your soul that it's overwhelming and it's hilarious. Oh, God loves a cheerful giver. What do we know about God? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he did what? That he gave. He gave his most precious thing, his only begotten son. Jesus gave up everything in heaven, gave it all up, and became impoverished so that you and I could have an abundance, that we could experience righteousness, that we could be made right. He came and paid our debt, the debt of our sins. Forget about the debt on your credit card. I'm not as worried about that. It's about the debt of your sin. God gave everything to pay for your everything. Do you get that? And it was free to you. But somehow people, you know, this prosperity gospel, we don't preach a prosperity gospel. We preach the gospel. Okay? We're not up to manipulate you. We want to give you the right information so that you can step out in faith. Whether it's here or whether it's out there or whether it's on the mission field, wherever that is, the principles of sowing and reaping, seed plus time equals harvest. Those principles do not change. God loves a cheerful giver and he's no man's debtor. But there's this belief in some, in some quarters of Christianity and within the culture that Jesus gave it all up, that he came, that he died, and now he's impoverished somewhere in heaven in eternity. No. He was raised back. He was resurrected because he'd done no wrong. He was raised back, and now he has all of the wealth in the universe, of heaven and of earth. There's no resource that he lacks. There's nothing he lacks. Nothing that he lacks. Amen. So when we talk about tithing, 
Tithing means tenth. Let's talk about the principle of it for just a minute. The principle of tithing. It's tenth. You could take the example that's used in Scripture in the Old Testament of a field. You own a field. You have a crop. Let's say it's wheat. You go to that field and you harvest the first tenth and you give that to God because he gave you the field anyway, it's his. He gave you the harvest anyway, it's his. The seed that you planted anyway is his. That seed's working according to his design. He brought the rain, he brought the water, he gave the sunshine, he provided the increase and he gave you the seed on top of it. Why would we not honor God with our increase? I ran a painting business. It was not mine. There were times where I felt like it was mine. I kind of held it with a closed hand. I learned to open my hand and to hold it like this. God could take it away at any time. This is the exact arm that he broke and took it away. What a glorious thing. I wouldn't be standing here today preaching had my arm not gotten snapped. I tell you what, I went out of business like that. And during that time when I could not work, we paid off more debt than I had been able to pay off in the previous seven years. That's God. Only God knew. Amazing. God is amazing. Why wouldn't we honor God with a tenth? Why would we not? You know, a tenth is not a religious thing. Please don't sit down with a calculator. Just do some rough mental math because a tenth is your starting point. You know, as you prosper, as your ability to gain wealth increases, why would you stop at 10%? Why wouldn't you just go, no, nah, I'm going to plow up through to 20. Jesus, here I come. Why would you not? There's such liberty in the kingdom of God. We have no idea what the freedom is that's at our disposal. No idea. They would harvest that field, that first 10% went to God. Then they would harvest the rest of it, load it onto their carts. And then they were specifically commanded not to harvest the corners that big tree in the middle, don't harvest around that. Leave that. If a, if a bale falls off your, well, they didn't have trucks back then, but if your bale falls off your cart, you were instructed to leave it. Why? You were instructed to leave it for the poor. Amen? You should have more than enough. Listen to this. You should have more than enough to give that 10% to God and have enough left over to give to other people. And even if the math doesn't look right on paper, it takes faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. And God loves a cheerful giver. Get to that place of cheer. You've got a right to it. Yes. Hallelujah. That's right. You've got a right to it. Oh, yes. Oh, our God is good. Hallelujah. He's so good. And this stuff matters to him. But it's not up here. It's in here. It's in here. It's, it's, you give from here. It's not out here. It's in here. You can have all the money in the world and be completely impoverished in here. You know, the sin of loving money, the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. You can commit that sin without having any. You commit it in here. You covet what other people have. You've got a right to be free from that. You can get so successful, 
You can get so successful and, and the next thing you know, you start to close your hand around what God's given you. You start really looking. I gotta, I gotta share something with you. I've been praying about whether or not I share this. I have no idea what's in my bank account. I don't wanna know. The only time I ever know is when Jen says we need to talk about our budget. That's fine, baby. Let's sit down and talk about our budget. But my God supplies all of my needs by his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You know, sometimes just doing whatever it takes to just be free. The Bible says that if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. You know what? Looking at my bank account <laughs> cost me to sin on a few occasions. You know? Sin both ways. You know? I ain't got enough. I don't know what I'm going to do. Start grumbling and complaining. I got all this money. Woohoo! What am I going to go and do, baby? Check it out. You know, it's you know, forgetting God in the process. I love the idea of the tithe. I love the idea of the tenth because it's proportional responsibility. We're all responsible for this house. We all we all are. Absolutely. Now we're we're a different kind of church. We're kind of like the apostle Paul, you know. The two of his disciples, a lady named Priscilla, Priscilla and Aquila. I love their names. You know, we could do a rap. Divine, could you get up and do us a rap on Priscilla and Aquila? No, okay. All right, man. That's all right. But Priscilla and Aquila, they were tent makers. You know, Paul discipled them, but then he sat and let them teach him how to make uh, tents. And they made tents and they sold it. I, I would love to have had a, this is an Apostle Paul tent. You know, this is one of his from last season. You know, he had a whole fur thing going on. Yeah, I would have loved one of those, wouldn't you? That would have been a cool tent to have. But he did that so that he wasn't a burden on other people. At Casey City Church, we're not afraid to have a business. This building is chocker block full of people most days of the week. It's in line with our mission, transform community and loving people. We got a lot of things going on. We got a before and after school care program. It's about transforming community and loving people. Amen? But there's something to that. Paul was discipling Priscilla and Aquila while they were sitting there, transacting, doing work, earning money so that they weren't a burden on others and they had more than enough to give to others. Is that not good? Amen. Where has the time gone? Have I read you one passage of scripture? Not one yet. I've just been blathering on like a monkey in a tree. That's all right. God is love and God gives. That's our example. Jesus was asked about the Ten Commandments, which, are the one, which is the one that is the most important. He told the first one and he said the second one's just like it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul and love your neighbor as yourself. There's the vertical, there's the horizontal, but all of it is about love, and love gives. Love gives. Love gives. It's one of the things that love does. Love holds things like this and not like this. Oh, if you're holding your stuff, your success, and all of that like this, then it is holding you. There's a trap that they use in the jungles the best way to catch a monkey is to take this little cage with these little bars that the monkey can put his hand through this way, but the second he grabs a banana, he can't get it out. And they just put a banana in that thing. They catch the monkey and then they eat the banana that that little monkey was trying to hold on to. 
because something about it, when you hold your things this way, it holds you uh, deep within here. There's a great poverty that comes with that. So when we look at finances, we need to look at it in the light of Resurrection Sunday, in the light of that empty tomb of a Jesus who resurrected, visited his disciples and shaped them up and formed them and spent time with them. And then before he ascended, he gave them a great commission to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every living thing. You know, Jesus praised the Pharisees for their tithing. Did you know that? He praised them for their tithing. It was one of the only times he praised them because they would take little spices and herbs and they would just, down to the last little detail, there's my tenth, okay, that's off to God. Here's another little, I got my sage, I'm gonna, okay, that's off to God. My oil, all right, that's the tenth, okay, that's off to God. They were down to that kind of thing. But his criticism of them is that the weightier, the weightier elements of the law of justice and mercy were not present, that these guys would spend their money and their resources to go to the ends of the earth to make one disciple, and then they'd make them twice the disciple of hell that they themselves were. Because they're going through this mechanical religious act. It's a compulsion. When I said earlier, if you're gonna give because of some compulsion, because you have to, don't. Don't. Because something goes awry deep within your spirit. Something goes awry deep within you. When you give out of compulsion, don't do it. Do not do it. Now you give out of love. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 8, in verse 8, he said, uh, I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. That is that great love. That is that great giving. And that richness covers absolutely Everything. It doesn't mean you're going to be wealthy and have a massive bank account. Not everybody's going to have that. But you know, if you do, it's all about the kingdom. Make sure you're a good steward of it. You know, what a good steward is, I'm going to give you, uh, let's go to, this is going to be great. I'm going to love this. This is Jesus talking, Matthew 24. Matthew 24, starting in verse 14. This is a parable. So this is a parabolic truth. I'm going to lob it alongside of your ear. You're either going to grab it or you're not. Everyone who is sitting listening to Jesus talk about this was sitting there listening. For some it flew past, for others they caught on to it. You know, of all of the, the messages parables that Jesus put out there. There were some 24, something like that. It was around about 15 or 16 of them just dealt with finances and good stewardship. Jesus is all about good stewardship. But this parable explains what God's talking about to us when he talks about stewardship. Matthew 25, verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. Catch that. He delivered his goods to them. 
And to one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, and each according to his own ability. Don't look at your neighbor and covet what they have. God's given you your gifts. He's given your abilities. And he's given you the resources that you have. He's given all of that to you according to your ability. There's something beautiful in that. Allow it to be beautiful. And immediately he went on a journey. And then he, who had received the five talents, went and traded with them and made another five talents. He went and did work. He did labor. He was in business. He was in economics. Uh, we're going to debunk any idea that Christianity uh, is a good validation of socialism. It's not. Jesus is a capitalist. Yeah, he, truthfully, truthfully a capitalist. Absolutely. We're talking about capital here. We're talking about investment. We're talking about expecting a return. And we're talking about stewardship responsibility. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more. Both of those guys doubled it. But he who had received one went and dug a hole in the ground and hid the Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord and those servants came, uh, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. There is a settling of accounts. You know, there's a, the white throne judgment of Jesus Christ. We will, theologically, we will not be standing in front of that. We may witness what happens there, but that's, that's everyone who's rejected God. That's not us. There's, a, there's another. There's a reward seat, the Bema seat. But we're going to each stand before him, and he's going to uh, assess our life and the wood, hay, and stubble, the things we did with the wrong motivation in the wrong way, are going to be burned up. They are of no eternal value. But what's going to be left are the beautiful, precious stones, the, the precious metals, those precious things. That's the language that's used. Those will be left. And those will adorn us in eternity. And us adorned will be Christ's adornment. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, we're going to look pretty. I hope. I hope, but I think some of us, some of us pearls of very precious price are going to be more adorned than others. So some people are going to have everything burned up. All of it was wood, hay, and stubble of no eternal value, but that person will be saved. Your salvation is sure. You are not earning your salvation with God. I want to be clear with that. This is not religion. This is relationship. Amen. So he who had I gave you the so he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, "Lord, you delivered me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them." His Lord said to him, "Well done, good and faithful servant." Don't you want to hear that? Amen. I do. I really do. And his Lord said to him, "Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things, and I will make you ruler over many things." God rewards faithfulness. If I take a polystyrene cup and I poke a hole in the bottom of it and I hand it to you and say it's got a hole in the bottom of it but make yourself a cup of coffee, what are you going to do? You're not going to put any liquid in that cup. God is not a waster. God's into integrity. He's into responsibility. He's given you everything. But there's a responsibility that you bear with your gifts, your talents, your abilities. All of those things, it's a whole package. Can't separate out the finances and say that's different. It's a whole package. And God cares about all of that. Am I cutting through? Yeah. 
Am I cutting through? I hope so. And then he who had received one talent, I'll skip the, the two, he got the same thing. Well done, good and faithful servant. It wasn't about how much he earned, he was given according to his abilities. And then the one who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that you were a hard man, reaping where you had not sown, gathering where you had not scattered seed. And I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Look, here's what you have. This is what is yours. This servant is called wicked in this parable. You wicked servant. The talent that he was given, that he was buried, was taken and given to who? The guy who'd been a really good steward. Because that guy was going to take that one talent and turn it into two. But the wicked servant doesn't have a good outcome. It's not a good thing. What did he squander? Well, he squandered all of his gifts, his abilities, the very resources and wealth of his Lord he squandered. He squandered it, not by burying it, but by not taking it and doing something with it. A life that does not serve Christ, that does not know Christ, that does not love people, that does not transform the community, that's a difficult life. Why would you want to lead that kind of life? I want to give you one last uh, verse in Philippians 4, verses 17 to 20. Now, verse 19 is the one we usually quote. Um, but starting in verse 17, Paul's talking to the Philippian church, and he's talking about giving here. And out of this, we draw a right focus, and just reemphasizing that we need to do this with the right focus. It says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things you sent, sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to the Lord. And listen to the emphaticness. Please hear the emphaticness of verse 19. We quote it like it's from a bumper sticker. It's emphatic. It's emphatic. And my God, which God? The God he knows and is intimate with. Greek word gnosis, to know, to be intimate, husband and wife, intimacy with God on the inside. And my God shall supply. That word supply actually can translate into infuse, to infuse. He shall supply. When God infuses you, it means you're full of it and you infuse everything around you. You, we prosper from the inside out not from the outside in. I tried prospering from the outside in, it didn't work. There's a God-shaped bottomless abyss that only an eternal God can fill. But when he fills you, he overflows you. And you infuse everything around you. What a beautiful God we serve. And my God shall supply, infuse from within you and all your needs according to his riches in glory. Christ is not still impoverished. He's in glory with all of his riches and there's nothing missing and nothing broken with him. 
by Christ Jesus. My needs, this infusing is by Christ Jesus. I have, I have access to heaven itself, to all of those resources, to all of that great wealth, to all of that wisdom, all of that insight. I have access to all of it, and I can take it anywhere. I am the most portable kingdom of darkness destroying tool that the world has ever known and I'm just one of many hallelujah we've been walking this earth for 2,000 years since Acts 2 the Holy Spirit came down and bam 3,000 people got saved I don't know how you feel about the city of Casey but I declare it's ours I declare it's ours and there should be no lack as we go out and we do this we all have a responsibility. If you're not a tither and you feel like there's a compulsion to do that, please come and talk to me. You don't deserve to live that way. Oh, you deserve to be free. You deserve to have that moment of hilarity. Where we should be laughing when they pass the bag on a Sunday. Oh, you should be laughing. You should be laughing. What a joy. Hallelujah. Somebody shout. Come on. We should be shouting. Hallelujah. When there's a call that goes out, hey, we got a need. It should be so easy. Go, you know, I don't have a lot, but I'm going to give it to you. You know, God's going to sort me out. Ain't no problem here. God's got this. God's got this. Oh, he's got this. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to do communion. And, and we're going to have offerings. Some of you give online. That's fine. We're not going to pass the bag today. We're going to invite the musicians up in a time of reflection. There's slips here. That's about the only things you'll need to get from the ushers if you need them. There's one there if you need it. But what we're going to do is when you're ready, honestly, when you're ready, I want to invite you into a place of just being able to reflect on who you are in Christ Jesus. Amen. You deserve to be free in this area. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We put the word out there today. I'll send all of the Bible references that I didn't go through. I'll send them all to you. You can look them up, read them, do. Entrance of his word brings light. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. So I'm going to invite you, I would encourage you to do communion first. You just break off a little bit and you just, uh, you just dip it in uh, to the wine. That's all that you would do. And you can sit and just reflect and have a moment with the Lord. Put your offering in the bag. There's no separation between these two acts of worship and the songs we're about to sing. And the word that just went out prophetic encouragement that happened this morning. This is all one thing. It's all one thing. I can't deny that I have a left leg. Finances are important. They're important in the kingdom of God, but they're an opportunity for growth, an opportunity for you to know Christ, opportunity for you to love people in a very practical way, an opportunity for you to help transform the community that we live in. This community in the city of Casey and beyond. Amen. Amen. So let me just read from for communion. Just bow your heads and I'll read to you. 1 Corinthians 11, uh, verses 23 to 26. And 
Paul says, for I received from the Lord that which I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you and do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner also, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you think, as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Oh, he's coming back. Amen. Can have every confidence in that. So Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that, that your prayer was not my will, but yours be done, Lord. And we just ask for your will. Come and speak to our hearts. Come and go into those places where we've been tied up in this area. You set us free. The Casey City Church would be all that you've called us to be. That every prophetic word would be fulfilled. That every command in scripture would be our reality. Oh Lord, we just invite you in. Your will be done, not ours. Your will be done, not ours. And just bless your Lord.